right. Welcome back to season four on the Hall Pass podcast. Thank you to the Admission Masters for sponsoring us. I'm your host, Jenny Wheatley, and today I have with me Jay Punkage and Richard. Hello. Welcome back, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sorry that we were on a little bit of a hiatus for a little while. Um, We are getting prepared for our busy season here at Admission Masters, and so um, we've been uh, busy doing all of that and getting ready for our seniors, but we're so excited to be back uh, with our final episode here, season four, episode 10. Um, Today we want to do something a little bit different and something that a lot of um, students and parents have really been talking to us about and that we haven't been spending enough time talking about. We wanted to organize a list of the intangibles or what I'd like to say beyond the application uh, in terms of what you aren't looking at or what you are not thinking about um, and maybe focusing on miscellaneous things that students and parents do not necessarily think about when they think about their high school journey. So we know that right off the bat, students and parents always like to think about their academics, you know, whether that's your GPA, your test scores um, and your activities, your extracurricular activities. We used to talk about that a lot. Uh, Today, we want to talk about something a little bit more than that, beyond that, beyond the academics, the GPA, the test scores and extracurricular activities. What should you be thinking about as well, um, in addition to these things, to really get the most of your high school journey? So welcome, welcome, boys. I'm so excited to talk about these with you guys. Hello. Good to be here. So um, we're going to start with the first and foremost thing, because my students, I don't know about you guys, but my students have been complaining about this so much to me they they're complaining about summer reading they're like gosh summer reading is so boring I don't want to do summer reading you know it's just too much Um, why are my teachers making me read this much right Um, and I ask my students this question and I feel like our students are not doing this much which is reading for pleasure and I think that you know As I've grown up through my high school, after high school and into college, um, that's when I actually really started reading for pleasure or when I was in elementary school or middle school because, you know, that was my form of, of, um, I don't know. Um, form of entertainment, right? Reading for pleasure. And I don't think that we do that enough these days. And so one of the things that I want you guys to think about beyond the academics, your GPA, your test scores, and your extracurricular activities is to read more for pleasure um, and, and, and enjoy your summer reading. You know, there's a reason why those books were chosen for you guys. And it's really supposed to develop the mind and develop the, the, your thought processes. And I know that there's more things now, like there's podcasts, um, there's what, what is it? Documentaries. There's like Videos. video essays audibles audibles right audibles. there's audibles oh like audiobooks yeah audiobooks yeah. right um i mean audible audiobooks yeah, audibles audio not football um but anyway so um you know and and that's okay too but there's really a different type of kind of pleasure when it comes to reading um an actual book and turning those pages there's such a, a great feeling of satisfaction when you finish a book that you've been reading like for a while that you don't really get when you finish a 10 minute video or you know you watch a you you binge watch a tv show yeah so what is that satisfaction is is it because your mind is working or stimulated or there are thoughts and opinions that are being formed and you're reacting to it i think because when you're reading and i I read this somewhere (laughs) i read this somewhere um when you're reading you are doing multi your brain is doing multiple things which is your eyes are reading, your brain is making sense of what you're reading, and then you're extrapolating concepts and understanding and exploring other things through that reading. Whereas when you're watching and listening, you don't have that first step of reading and making sense of what you read. You're just listening and understanding what it is that you're listening. So that that process is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. That's not to undermine, you know, listening to podcasts or watching inspirational videos or TED Talks, but I think that there is a really deep value in reading um, and just reading and understanding those types yeah, of there things. There was a quote I, I uh, heard recently from, I think, a previous um, president of one of the Ivy League schools, but she said, that if you enforce reading, you enforce time for reflection. Mm. And I feel like that's something that we don't really think about, that when you're right there you're engaging with a book it's just you and the words and you're kind of reading through it you are, it is a process of reflecting and you, there's no way that you can read through something without actually thinking about, about and, what you're and grappling yeah. with the things that you're you're you know that that's in front of you and i yeah. feel like that's something that we don't do enough of nowadays i agree i think 
I'm trying to recall back my own experiences when I got into high school because I got to be honest with you, the reading requirements, I, they were all a drag to me. I, mm-hmm. I always looked for shortcuts. I always looked for spark notes or what is it nowadays? They have different kinds of online resources where you just get the summary, the motifs and things like that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until honestly during college or after college, I wanted to come back to some of those books mm. like Rapes of Wrath by John yeah, Steinbeck. Yeah, yeah. And the reason why I was able to come back to him is now in, in hindsight, my understanding as to why they enforced the reading upon us, which is it gives gives us that microcosmic example or perspective of world issues that are so relevant to today. So for example, my, my experience would be John Steinbeck's Grapes, Grapes of Wrath. Mm-hmm. And in it, you have these East Coast people coming to the West Coast for better opportunities in this jalopy, right? Which is like a really crappy truck that they're you know, taking the entire extended hauling family, over. hauling yeah, them yeah. all over to West Coast. And when they get to the West Coast, what do they see? Other Californians saying, ew, why are you guys here? And it kind of is a reflection for, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a reflection of like the immigrant issue, you know, like mm. why are these uh, Latinos coming mm. from Mexico across the border? Or, you know, you start f- building those connections and mm. then it becomes meaningful and impactful to me. But when it was forced upon me, like you have to read this. Yeah. That didn't help me. It sucks out all the joy of it. It sucks out the joy. And so for me, I have had this from the beginning. My education, my schooling got in the way of my education, Mm. right? I'm stealing from Mark Twain. Um, But when I'm thinking about like reading assignments, this is the scenario. I see a mom or hear parents listening to our podcast. Oh, check Mark. We got to do some summer reading. And then we just give them a list of books that we find of like, 10th graders who got into Ivy Leagues, what what type of books should you read, right? Mm-hmm. And we force it upon the kid. And I think that's the wrong way to do it because it could create a displeasure mm-hmm. of what it should be really mm-hmm. about. And so I'm kind of struggling with how I could do this because on the flip side, what Jenny mentioned, there are other mediums at play. You're essentially in a battle. It's an arms race mm-hmm. because every millisecond of your goldfish mind, right? In terms of your attention span, given like, look at all the glitter and look at all the shining, flashing things that show up on the screen. Mm -hmm. And then you have this two-dimensional static book of paper. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to justify asking the student to deny the glittery new things. They have access to. Right, because on the one hand, that's honestly more entertaining at that age. Um, How do we get students to look at a list and enjoy or want to read as opposed to being told to read. That's the challenge I run into a lot. Of I, and this is something that I've actually been working on recently. <laughs> I actually, I mean, ironically enough, I, I watched this in a YouTube video about the importance of reading. And, and so, I, you know, I, you guys, circle. maybe you can full link circle. it later because honestly, yeah. I read this. It was, I mean, I, I watched this video and it, it really helped me to I'll, understand I'll link it to our, our the difference between like if you read, let's say, a, a book or two a year, that's going to be your, for the rest of your life you'll have maybe 50 to 100 books that you're gonna read. Or if you're reading just 30 minutes a day, that's the difference between reading just, let's say 50 to 100 books to maybe 5,000 books in, wow. in your lifetime. And so I was watching this video and then I, you know, I learned a lot from it. One of the tips that I gleaned from this was that if there's so many opportunities for reading nowadays um, on your phone, if you have an iPad on your computer, audiobooks too, mm-hmm. I would say, like not necessarily reading, but it's still a, a way for you to get those books. And and you don't just have to do one. And this mm-hmm. is what I've been doing. Like on every single one of my devices or just one, you know, a book at my house, I'm I'm constantly just reading different things. And mm-hmm. you can definitely multitask, it's doable. Um, and you, you get so much more information that way. And you get to find out what you like and what you don't. And if you don't like a book that you're reading on your on your computer, or if you don't like the book that you're reading, the paperback book, um, you don't have to read it. Just mm-hmm. continue, look for things that you'll enjoy. There's so much out there. Yeah. Don't limit yourself to just one thing and then finish it, force oh, yourself to yeah, read it and yeah. then be like, oh, okay, now yeah. I have to go find another book. Do uh, read Multiple. as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. I want to add, hmm. now in, in retrospect, if I look back, what got me into reading more? There are two main things for me I realized. One of them is ego mm-hmm. and the other one is just write, writersmanship, the mm. craft of Tell it. us, start mm-hmm. us so with the ego. The ego part. <laughs> so I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but Bill Gates every year announces the top five books or the top 10 yeah, books he best, recommends. Yeah, yeah. He right? stole that from Oprah Winfrey. I was going to say Oprah Winfrey. He stole Win- that from That's Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> or maybe, uh, well. Oprah Winfrey, if you ever want to come to our podcast, you know, we're, we're always available. It's a free invite, I suppose. But yeah, I, I, I want to know what the richest, the once richest man in the world, you know, what he cares about now and what guides his moral philosophy, what guides his understanding of the world. But 
in high school, do you think I would have had that desire? Honestly, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I would have just wanted to go home and play some Counter-Strike or something. Mm-hmm. The second, but now in, in hindsight, I look back and it's, it's because I admire these people, these role models mm. who then say, hey, listen to these kinds of other books mm. or read these other books. Yeah. And that's what compels me. Yeah. So if you are trying to convince your son or daughter to read a book or, or, some, or a teacher, you're trying to convince them to read and they don't buy it from you or they don't take that suggestion, I think there's an issue potentially in role model motivation. The other part for me would be craftsmanship. Have you guys ever had this moment? Like this is when it triggered for me my my love for English and literature. There's a moment where you read something and you're like, dang, Mm -hmm. that's beautifully Mm, said. Yeah. Or that's so like, I never had the way to express that deeper, more sophisticated uh, yeah. thought until you said it in that way. It's learning a new way to And then speak guess what almost. I do? The next day tomorrow, I'm looking <laughs> for the same opportunity to say the exact same thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so I'm learning as I read, I'm expanding my vocabulary. I'm an ex- And more importantly, beyond that, I'm expanding my ability to express. Communicate, yeah. to express yourself. The depth yeah. of my world becomes much more tangible yeah. and expressible with the more I read. That's amazing. Now, in high school, would I have valued that? No, because frankly, no one told it to me that way. And I'm not trying to blame others. I guess I'm blaming others. But if someone <laughs> came to me and said, you have to read this book versus if you read this book, you can expand the, the communication you can have. You can expand the understanding and depth of your world. Yeah. Do you see how that's a very different type of selling point yeah. for students? So I think to me, I'm more concerned about how we sell the idea of why you should read to high school kids. Mm-hmm. And are we just talking about high school kids? Why not like middle school? Why not like elementary? I parents. think even adults. Yeah. I learn like when I see other parents reading instead of on their phone, I like as kids growing up watching my parents read watching my mom read is is another motivating factor of like oh you know reading is something that we do in our household like i should read too right and so i think for parents who have young kids elementary school who want to create this like environment of wanting to read you have to read yourself and you have to show your kids that reading can be fun and reading Mm -hmm. is enjoyable as well can i add something from a parent younger point of view yeah so the the thing I'm hearing nowadays for hipster parents is you don't want to make something you want a routine to be as a punishment. So, for example, go clean your room. Mm-hmm. You That's, make it fun. You created a negative yeah. environment. Instead, it's like, let's, let's have a spring it. cleanup day. Yeah, yeah. And don't you feel great <laughs> and clean and fresh afterwards and something like that? Do we do that with reading? And, and I know that there are some families who do that. Like families will, like parents will take their kids camping and they just sit reading and day. read. Yeah. And they just read. They, they'll they do like an outdoor picnic and they'll do reading, like right. reading There's outdoors. like an hour of reading time, like from six to seven. This is like family reading time. Yeah. And we'll all sit together and read. Yeah. Room. And we'll take popcorn out like as you would to watch a movie and mm. we'll have snacks, but we'll read. Right. Like it'll be a reading party. Mm. Right. For for young kids. Like yeah, I, I can into see a reward. how it I like that. I think that's a yeah, good idea. Yeah. I really like that a lot. What or about, like something fun, a fun what, activity. So what about like um, the scenario for me, I think, when I'm trying to relate to a high school student now is like you're in bed, you're about to go to sleep and reading should be one of those like ideal exercises mm-hmm. or the ideal yeah, pastimes to do, prior yeah, to going to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Part of me thinks like you're using reading to fall asleep. So you're correlating the fact that reading sleepiness sleep. is with sleep. <laughs> but besides that, I'm also thinking it might be a much better option to try to encourage in kids, especially compared to let's say being on your phone on mm-hmm. YouTube and yeah. through before going to yeah. sleep. So if parents can encourage like a nighttime routine and to lead by example, I yeah. think that's the biggest point. Reading together. I'm, and maybe I'm being racist here, but Asian parents, like we're very good at telling them what to do, but not doing, doing it ourselves. It ourselves of yeah. Course. So I think like if, that's the constant battle, right? So if parents also made it a routine, like, Oh, do you guys want to watch, finish watching? The, no, I'd rather read my book. Imagine if like, the Asian mom went like that. Like, yeah. I'd rather read my book. I'm, I'm at the part of the chapter I really enjoy. And then as like a five-year-old to a 10-year-old, you're, you're in, whoa, why is my mom so, why would she not want to finish this Disney movie? Yeah. Why would she want to go finish Read a book, book instead. Right? Yeah. So I think setting an example is very important. Nighttime routine, I think, is where I'd want parents to start looking because I think it's helpful in two ways. It gets them to read and it also gets them to relax to have that pastime uh, yeah. to sleep, create a good yeah. sleeping schedule. Yeah. Um, So I know we spent a lot of time on reading, but as you guys can see, there's (laughs) a lot of um, really awesome benefits to reading. And we actually talked a lot about this um, and I talk about this to my students all the time. Like, don't think of it in such a negative light. Um, And and I'll link that YouTube video that uh, Richard was talking about as well. So I can so that for those of you who want to watch a video before you guys um, go, one book you guys recommend. Oh, man. 
I right now I'm reading American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually like turned to him because he um, wrote a lot of comics that I that I liked, and he okay. also writes uh, novels. And what kind of student would you recommend it to? So if you like fantasy, it, it's cool because it's kind of a combination of like fantasy, horror. There's even some sci-fi elements to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think you know, if you're not someone who really likes reading. Uh, nonfiction, then this is probably a good book for you, regardless of you know what, what genres was, you're. What was the title? American Gods. Okay, I'm so gonna go. What kind? Who would you type of student you'd recommend? Okay, it to? so I'd recommend this to any. Um, I want to say I want to just talk to my female students, my 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 women, female students, my teenage girls, um, in high school or middle school. Also, um, I'm I've been obsessed with Becoming by Michelle Obama just because Michelle Obama is like one of my my someone that I really admire. Like you mm. had mentioned Bill Gates. And for me, it's Michelle Obama and hearing her story and hearing how she became the person that she is today, hearing her back background and finding ways to relate to her as well as like the empowerment that I felt after finishing her book once. But then again, feeling it again the second time, but a different type of emb- empowerment was um, it was just truly, truly inspiring and also just um, made me feel the things like made me feel like there's greater potential for what I can do for this world um, because of what she wrote in there. So Becoming by Michelle Obama, if you guys haven't already read it, it's amazing. I too am a big fan of nonfiction and it was interesting to hear you guys talk about books and reading. Um, I would hate to get forced reading also when I was a kid, right. hated and, and, and discovered the glory of those books later on in life. But what got me into reading as a child was actually the newspaper, which I don't know if people do that anymore. Like actually pick up a newspaper, mm. LA Times, New York Times. Oh my gosh. I don't think like we even get newspapers. That's the thing. I don't think anyone gets, we, I don't get newspapers yeah, anymore. Yeah. But on your, your phone or your, your computer. That got me, yeah. so I was kind of like, you know, numbers and the sports section and analyzing back of baseball cards and averages and all that kind of stuff. That kind of got me into newspapers, which then got me into the business section, which then got me into the Wall Street Journal. You know, it's, it was all like dominoes oh, of how I kind of expanded my reading um, stuff, but anyways, fast forwarding all the way to today, I love nonfiction books and uh, I, you know things like Outliers. Highly recommend. Outliers. Um, I like that Malcolm. that author. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell mm. is an author, and you know there's contra- controversy around him. I like Sapiens. You know, like uh, mm. some of those books always make my mind kind of think in, in different ways. Yeah. yeah, you got the book that I was gonna say. Yeah, you're gonna say Sapiens. You love Sapiens. We need so Sapiens. The type of student this I would highly recommend this. I thought you were gonna say Brief History of Time. I like that book too. Yeah. No, he likes Sapiens way more. In terms of like (laughs) students who are curious about not just science, but trying to understand, grasp their existentialism in the sense like Mm -hmm. maybe you have um, a religious background and you have conflicts in regards to that. Or if you want to just have a better sense of how science to this day has brought an understanding of how we became who we are today. Mm. If you want to understand what makes the human species different than any other species to have walked this earth, Mm. right? And how that contributed to who we are today, then I highly recommend Sapiens by Harari. Sapiens, actually, he, this was a book that Jay recommended to all of us and was the reason why we all read it. And we, yeah, and we loved it. So I think it it definitely hits any genre of type of person. I think it just opens your, yeah, I think it opens your eyes to a lot of things. Even people like science fiction, I think wouldn't really love Sapiens. And forced reading in elementary school, high school, uh, the authors are all different. You know, Mm -hmm. I think teachers and administrators toss a lot of authors. I remember the forced reading I did like were the existentials, the Emerson, the Thoreau's mm. and that stuff. And I'm like, whoa, this was so different than anything else mm. I read, you know, and it really resonated with me and I actually liked it. But that was like, I was a senior in high school, high school's already done and I just read for reading sakes and, and, and for, for grades fun, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, but um, that was an interesting take. You guys talk, hearing you guys talk about that on uh, yeah. Yeah. force reading. All right. All right. So the other thing um, I think Richard mentioned earlier was the, you know, reading allows you the opportunity to reflect. Right. And so we wanted to get hit this point as well, which is time for reflection. I mentioned this in a previous podcast episode and I talked about how students don't take enough time to reflect. Um, Think about the last time that you sat back in your room and just thought about what you did during the day, how you grew, what you learned, um, what 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 you can use, what you learned to solve certain 
certain situations in the world. Like how, when have you done that? Right. And, and when have you thought about those challenges and, and overcoming those challenges and visualized what it looked like to overcome those challenges? Like we don't, as, 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 as people just living a very, fast-paced life we don't take enough time for ourselves to reflect mm-hmm. um, and so I think one of the things that I really want us to think about beyond the application is really the opportunity to reflect and honestly everything that we talk about right now in this episode I know I'm saying it's beyond the application but all of this will make your application even more fulfilling holistic and whole in general let me be for example, time to reflect, being able to like look back what you've done, introspective analysis. I see that in essays. We're helping, you know, we're getting busy starting with UC brainstorming and things like that. Um, there are two types of students generally. The first type of student, he flexes or she flexes his resume. This is what I've done. This is what I've done. And then the second type of student talks more about why. This is what right? I've done, why I've done it. And yeah. why I did it. Yeah. And so every now and then when I'm reading a really good essay, I see that one of the key ingredients to a good essay is that introspective statement. Mm -hmm. So for example, they're talking about going to the mountains one day with their dad and looking at the stars and the dad is talking about how these are millions of specks of lights coming from different galaxies millions of miles away. And she has this introspective statement. You know, at the time I was young, I had no idea what he was really talking Mm. about, but I rested upon his passion and it made me want to learn more. Mm -hmm. So there's these introspective statements Mm -hmm. that I see in students and then I don't see in students. And I think that's one of the key ingredients I've come to realize, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Jay. So so we talked about summer reading and reading earlier, and I think better naturally more, I mean, students who read more are just better writers. And in that same way, when it comes to college essays, t- taking the time to reflect uh, mm-hmm. is going to make a really big difference in your essays. I also think the, the process of reflection, there's a lot of ways that you can do this, but um, one of the things I started doing two years ago was journaling, and I, I feel like that process really helped me to, you know, put my thoughts on, on, on paper, but also to, it gave me a chance to really be brutally honest with myself. Mm. Um, you know, what I wanted, my fears, like things along those lines. And I feel like if you're able to do that in high school, way before you're writing your college oh, yeah. applications, you're putting those thoughts onto paper. It gives you a chance to actually really think about how you feel and the things that, you know, to, to reflect on the experiences that you've had so that once you actually start working on your college essays, it's not like you're doing this just for, a month or two before yeah. you start writing them, you you have been doing this for years, yeah. and you you know it, I think it makes it a lot easier for you to start thinking about what you want to say, what the, what the deeper insights you've gained, how mm. you've grown as a person. Reading back through your journals, I think, is going to be very useful for you as you start figuring out what you want your personal statements to. So absolutely. To say. How is journaling absolutely. different than diary entries? I think it's I think it's really what you make of it. So yeah. if you wanted to just write about your day, you could do that. But I think if you want to go a little bit deeper than that, I think it's more about kind of focusing on your your innermost thoughts, right? So like your anxieties, your fears. Like I think the the best part of journaling for me was that that vulnerability that I'm able mm. to um, I'm able to you know show because I'm not necessarily showing it to anyone else but myself. But even that, like, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to be that yeah. honest with Can yourself. Can we read it? <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather you not. But <laughs> but. I got- uh, I have a question <laughs> to the parents. As parents, how do you guys encourage this kind of behavior to self Yeah, so I'm keying on the journaling. I actually like that idea. Okay. Um, I had a journal one summer. It's mm-hmm. funny because I, I was in Japan for a semester and uh, I journaled every day. I don't know why. I just yeah. did it. And mm-hmm. I look back at it. I still have it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but this wasn't a pattern that I kept on. Yeah. But it's 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 reflecting on you know like and it was good to see years and it, it told it's me cool. about myself yeah, to yeah. go back like, to it and inside, see like inside you, thoughts and yeah, stuff to like see that your you know? mind at yeah. you know a younger age yeah. it's pretty and so i like that as a habit um along with reading at night and you know, how would i encourage my three children you know to mm-hmm. do something like that and and uh, timing wise i mean reading it's a constant battle as i think jay mentioned or someone these there are too many flashing things in society now it's hard to get yeah. kids to stay focused on something yeah um but you know journaling if if it's just like five minutes ten minutes or whatever it is and it doesn't have to be a long prose essay or anything yeah, no, just no, no, be, no, be very small i'll you'll see like there's a lot of entries of mine where it's literally just like a sentence or two yeah um, of things that you know i was thinking about that day mm-hmm. i passed today yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i lived. yeah you know i i don't know it's it, Ideas are interesting, and I think journaling is one thing, but, okay. you know, just getting your mind off of screen time or 
uh, YouTube or the television. So you're going to get reflecting. Maya to start writing well, yeah, diaries? Like, writing, well, writing is important. At her, she's going to be a middle schooler now. And so like trying to get that skill set up also is mm-hmm. just another thing yeah. with journaling. I mean, she has, she's already a pretty good reader. Um, compared to my other two kids, but um, wow, <laughs> called out. The funny thing is, uh, the funny thing is that <laughs> hopefully they're not listening. Harry Potter got yeah. her into reading. Yeah, I think. and it's I think. But it's now it's over, and so we're trying to find like Something the next else, thing yeah. to unlock the imagination. Quincy, I think that's what it was. Isn't it Quincy J- Percy Jackson? Percy, Percy Jackson. Jackson. Percy. Quincy, 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 Jones. Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones. And Rashida Jones. daughter. But Percy Jackson is a good like. I've never read Children's imagination. Yeah. 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 I think that it's 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 similar in that way. Um, anyway, reflect. Do more reflecting. The other thing that I think a lot of um, students and parents don't talk about enough is relationship building. And I think relationship building when it comes to friends, networking um, with you know people. I don't think students know what it means to network. And I think um, having building a rapport with people that aren't necessarily your best friends, but building a rapport with fr- uh, with teachers, uh, with people that you meet at summer camp. Right. All of this is going to be really really important it's going to be valuable right people say that there's so much to learn from other people whether it's their experiences or their personality or their own challenges and so this is something that I think would be that we need to focus on. I want to just start with family and just spending time with family, which is something that a lot of my students and parents don't do a lot. Um, even when my parents take my students to school uh, or they're taking their students from one place to another, um, they I ask my I ask my students like, "What do you talk about in the car with your mom or dad?" And they usually say nothing. Like I have my headphones in and I'm listening to music or I'm listening to something else or doing something. And my mom is doing something or she's on the phone or you know whatever. And so we don't value these moments enough, I feel like, and these opportunities to have conversations and to enlighten each other through our experiences and to connect emotionally. Um, And I don't think we do this enough. And I think as humans, we need that connection, right, with one in one way or another. So building relationship is something that I think that we should all strive to do on a day to day basis parents I want to talk to you and and those parents who are like what did you get at school today or why did you get a B or when you center your conversations around students failures and not their opportunities to grow when you center their conversations around their stress levels or their academics or things that they're already stressed about they're gonna not want to talk to you <laughs> eventually, right? Uh, it'll, yeah. it'll, it'll be like a recoiling, the recoil. Yeah, you know? yeah. You have to make those conversations either A, enjoyable, or B, it has to be, they have to want to talk to you about things that they want to talk to you about. And when I see those relationships built for, with my students and parents, and they're nurtured in a very different way, I feel like those students are actually a lot happier, number one, and a lot more resilient at the end of the day. They're able, because they know that they have this family or these group of people that really care and love them no matter what, they're able to overcome challenges and see things in a more positive light. What do you guys think? Jay, Richard, Punkage? Can I can I tell? I, I got something to say about yeah, this. So yeah, I'm going to yeah. start with this story, if you guys don't mind. So I was it was recently Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to Happy all y'all. Happy Father's Day. And Punkage. so we took a, we did an extended family. We went out to Wild Fish in Newport, ate at a fancy restaurant, and I saw the most peculiar scenario because it was a father with his two daughters. And two daughters are probably middle schoolers, right? Maybe seventh grade and fifth grade. And the two daughters are literally on their phone the entire time, mm. literally just staring. And the dad has this look of oblivion in his eye as he just is looking into the distance. Not There's not a single word <laughs> he's, being spoken. He's, he's thrown in the towel. Right. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> right. he's given up at that point. And so this might be a very common scenario, expected scenario. And in it comes two thoughts for me. The first thought is what I think most parents will lean to, which is to create a restriction and a rule. No phones during dinner time right? Put away the phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can understand that, but we were just talking about being forced to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And not I don't want to read it. if you're going to force me to read Grapes of Wrath. Oh, Grapes of Wrath. Sounds great. I'll read it on my own. Right. Yeah. Big difference if you enforce it versus not. So I'm trying to think of what could be a better, more modern solution to this besides creating a restriction rule. And my thought went to the fact that I'm able to conversate more with my parents once they started to embrace my mode of communication, mm. which is instant messaging. Like my mom oh, cows me now, and she sends me links. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll click on it, right? Like it's a Reddit link for me or something. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, imagine if the dad in that scenario texted, texted, texted her, her. Yeah, because they're on their phone yeah, constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But imagine if he texted the kids, like, hey, 
happy Father's Day to me, right, guys, or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And entered their mode of communication. Mm-hmm. And that brings up a bigger picture for me as a parent. What I've learned is that a parent should never stop learning. Mm-hmm. As a parent, you always have to adapt and you always have to be constantly vigilant of what the next thing is for your kid or dog. Yeah. And you can't renege it. You can't say, no, that's not the right way. Because if you do, you're just going to estrange the relationship. Mm-hmm. You're going to create more distance. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I just thought I'd bring up that story at Father's Day, how it's important for parents to realize they have to be adaptable mm-hmm. to where the kids are going and where yeah. their mode of communication is going. Yeah. yeah, it's a good story. I mean, there's a time and a I guess there's an appropriate time and place for a lot of things. So let's take the scenario you just said, right? Instead of it being the phone, let's pretend those two girls had books in their hands. Yeah. And they're reading books. Yeah. Okay, I mean, it's kind of a cool thing, and that used to happen back in the day. Yeah. You know, I I remember seeing those kind of scenarios too. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's not the most appropriate to have that reading going on at the lunch table or dinner table and things like that. Especially Father's Day. Right. And so like that's, that's what I say, you know you can have rules and set up rules and then like if if they want to spend their screen time uh i don't know whatever an hour two hours four hours whatever's allocated for screen time at the lunch you know thing then you then you know you're not going to get that at home or mm-hmm. something and you can use that time with the dad later so you don't mm-hmm. want to jump to assum- assumptions like as to where but you know right maybe right. there's appropriateness is set up differently for different families yeah you know? Do your like, kids have phones punky one does we My, uh, yeah a month ago does she use it like to do things like on at the dinner table and stuff or is it just for no we, we kind of have a rule of not uh having, at the table yeah. you know yeah, and, yeah. And, and not having it while we're eating i feel like, like that. that's something because i would want we, to enforce we, too. we tested that and like if you don't have guardrails up yeah they're gonna be on it yeah, Nose, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nose I, is buried for for so let me break it down da- break it back to my two-year-old <laughs> so for Who has a phone <laughs> well no, just kidding. No, the crazy thing about phone. these phones and these smart devices yeah. is that they have created it for two-year-olds they created crazy. it for one-year-olds yeah. that's like the like dopamine games, kind of way yeah, of games doing it. Of, of, but of but yeah let me break it break it back bring <laughs> it back to two-year-olds right? oh, so like for for my son when we ever go to restaurants and stuff in the very beginning we have like some sort of you know activity whether you know at the restaurant they have like crayons or mm-hmm. you know color pencils or whatever and in if we ever go to like a park or other areas we have like a packed like activity book or like crayons or whatever and that's my mode of communication to my son so if we're talking about tigers right if he's coloring a tiger for example i'll say like where did you learn about a tiger today or where did you see a tiger today in hopes that he would continue a conversation with me about a tiger right and so we utilize those activities as a way of communicating with each other um i'm sure that once he gets older it's going to be different but when i see when i when he does things um with the activity activity book it's my opportunity to then engage in conversation with him about what he did during that day Mm -hmm. and so I think at the end of the day what Jay said about being adaptable and you know finding a way uh, to communicate with your kids every parent is different but I think you shouldn't give up that opportunity to have conversations with your kids and same thing with students and parents I mean students my my students as well you need to put that same effort in there right like you you if if your parents are going out there to put in an effort I think it's a two-way street um you know it shouldn't be a forced conversation but just an opportunity to to emotionally connect with someone who loves you and connect with other people So two points on that um one is if the the father or mother was also buried in the phone. It's a bad example. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you can't tell just like do with your actions kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. one thing. Second thing is um, a lot of those activities at restaurants. Yeah. Uh, I start playing with my kids on yeah. it, like tic-tac-toe. And yeah. you know they're going to fall into the traps. They don't know how to like um, beat you in some yeah. of these games. <laughs> wow. you Pulling know. them in tic-tac-toe. You're you teaching are. them, teaching so, them the, resilience. The thing is for the last like, I don't know, six seven years like Maya's been playing tic-tac-toe and now she's pretty good at it and now she gets her little siblings uh, you know yeah, her sister and her brother yeah. on the tricks that I used to get her yeah. years ago and so she now thinks she's like oh the tic-tac-toe expert right? <laughs> so, like, even if the activity board doesn't have tic-tac-toe yeah you, you can that, make you know? it yeah so, there's so many ways those activities I mean the, the mode right the mode mm-hmm. of of engaging them and Absolutely. you know you can you can even little kid games with crayons can work for yeah. a little bit you know yeah, yeah, what about yeah. my thought is tic-tac-toe on the phone because now you guys can Wi-Fi mesh and network it. What I'm trying to say is... You just you just 4D'd that. Right, it's, <laughs> it's, it's difficult for me to deny the technology that, that, exists. that is in their world. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I, I would love audience members, parents, yeah, students. Yeah, tell what, us what you yeah. do. Yeah, what tell rules us what you do. What rules do you set? What do you guys think about it? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, tell us what you do. Um, so the next one that I want to talk about is exercise, healthy living, healthy eating, mindfulness. There's so many different types of things to keep yourself healthy mentally, emotionally, physically, etc. Um, and so I just want all of everyone to understand that you need to be healthy. <laughs> At the end of the day, you need to focus on your health. You need to make sure that you're eating, you know, from that food pyramid, which I've heard so much controversy on. But, you know, basically getting your getting your vegetables and your fruits. And, and, and what you put into your body makes a difference in the way that you think, how alert you are, how awake you are, um, how engaged you are. Uh, it's all going to make a difference in that. So help, being healthy, being physically healthy is going to make an influence in the way that your emotional, mental, you know, all of that health is. So just be just be healthy. I think that we need to focus on our health a little bit. I more think there's sometimes. a direct correlation to the more overweight you are, the more the less uh, clarity you have in mm thought and less mental acuity you maintain in terms of uh, the longevity. So like the SAT, for example, is a four hour test. Yeah. And I've been teaching that for a decade plus. Right. And when you're t taking the SAT on a Saturday, it's in the morning. Mm -hmm. So you got to get, you know, I'm a, I'm oh, a night less, owl. Less endurance. I'm not a morning morning person. Yeah. Too bad. That's not an excuse you can buy off of to get out of this right. situation. The second thing is the SAT typically gives you two potential breaks. It's either one, I think, 15 minute break in the middle, or it's like two 10 minute breaks or something like that. So I think it's up to the proctor to decide. One of the pieces of advice I got about that was a lot of students, when they have that break, they'll immediately go out and just like just sit sit around mm -hmm. they'll twiddle their thumbs on their pencils but i was told to do jumping jacks get your right? blood moving. to get your blood circulating yeah because yeah. right? that whole two hours you're sitting on your butt your yeah. blood is not really circulating yeah. that much and i've started to implement that and i realized just how much body and mind are connected in that way you become so much more capable in terms of sharp thinking and creativity when your, your body mind. is yeah. also maintained absolutely absolutely um, and then I want to talk about um, travel uh, in terms of, well, let's talk about travel a little bit. So I think travel in a lot of ways, people see it as like a luxurious, a luxury, right? Like when you travel, you get on airplanes, you spend a lot of money, you go on vacations, but travel can also be something that's very um, minimal, right? It could be traveling to your local farmer's market. It could be traveling to... Um, um, a cultural center. It could be traveling to a museum. Like a lot of, you know, museums are either really cheap or, or they're free or, um, you know, having cultural experiences in different ways. So I think basically travel, when I say travel, I mean like get out of your comfort zone a little bit and, and learn things, explore things, uh, experience things beyond what you're doing just in your normal day-to-day -day routine. So then I have a question to pose on the college app. Yes, point Jay. Of view. You ready? Okay. Some of the top two colleges, let's say Stanford, for example, have a supplemental essay, essay that asks, what did you do the past two summers? Mm -hmm. And let's say you come from a middle class, upper class, social, you know, socially privileged background and you went to Cabo. Cabo? Cabo. Cabo. Right. Or you went to what's another super I've Hawaii, seen, Hawaii. Right. Do you put that down on the application? Is that a pro or con to you guys? Because you guys, we talked about last week's episode about adversity or the previous episode mm -hmm. about adversity score. Essentially, the more socioeconomically depressed you are, the higher they're going to value your application and accomplishments. So if you write in the essay, oh, yeah, my parents and I, we went to this. Cabo. We went to Cabo. Is that a good, would you guys advise him to take it off? I, I wouldn't write it unless he did something so it substantial does there. So it does matter. I, I would say like the same, for the same reason that when someone tells me like they are a polo player or they own a horse, I don't know why, but there's a stereotype to me that this person is a lot Very more well privileged off. than yeah. uh, some of these other students who might be applying. So and so, yeah, I mean, honestly, matters. when mm. you're thinking, again, if you're thinking about college admissions as a game and that now there's an actual adversity score, you know, we're, we're taking all these things into account. And if you like are getting B's in your classes right. and you're taking trips to Cabo, I know you have the means to do well in the, in your school in and you're not seizing it. And that shows me a disparity that I don't want to be seeing. So mm. we either hide it or we tell parents to cancel vacation. Plans <laughs> over there and see. Or you no, can say no. summer, vac summer well, family vacation. Well, They're not going to family no. vacation. And, and I was going right. to say, you don't, you can also say, um, you know, going to Cabo to try snorkeling for the first time or things. I think there are experiences that you can 
can say, but I don't think you can blatantly be like, I went to Cabo, I went to Hawaii, I went to Europe, I went to the Caribbean, and I went on a Disney tour. Like, I think it would be a lot so, to say those things. Yeah. But it's I think so privileged. But I think like, I felt like Cabo and going to go snorkeling sounded privileged enough. Well, no, can you but, not just say I went snorkeling? Yeah, you can do that. And I think you can also, it's balance, you balance that out with other activities you've done over the summer, right? Like right. you can say that I've done this and then rewarded I went snorkeling. Myself yeah, with. yeah. Or it doesn't have, you don't have to be rewarded. You can say like, um, experience the, the, like the culture of, you know, Mexico at Cabo or something. You can yeah, say something like, a lot of I studied for this. I enrolled in this summer school class. I, I did this took internship a family trip, yeah. and then ultimately ended up with a family trip to Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. It Mexico. shows like a balanced approach yeah. on, on privilege, your non-privilege, just kind of like experiences. It's, okay. it's really more experiences. But we are being sensitive to this topic. There is an element of I assessment and strategy. So. Yeah. yeah. There's, one so. way of saying, like, say, there's one way of saying like, I went to my, my vacation chalet up in Switzerland. You know, there's a way of saying yeah, things and yeah. you got to say it appropriately. That's, say that's it a sign of maturity. Absolutely. You know, like, and it's an application for college. So you can't, you can't, you can't be flaunting your, your parents' wealth, your family, your, your privilege, privilege. There you right. go. <laughs> you can't be flaunting your privilege. You have to be humble about that th- that privilege. That it was an opportunity for you to you know explore something yeah. you haven't explored before. Being like like boasting about it versus being blessed about it. Yeah, yeah. Being and grateful. Be grateful. Yeah, about it, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um. But anyway, I still think that you should step out of your comfort zone beyond this whole travel and going to Cabo and Hawaii and things like enjoy the things that you have with your family, right? Like enjoy that, that time you have, you have the opportunity to do that, do it. You know, we're not, we're not, we would never tell a student like, Nope, can't go on vacation. Cause you can't put that on a college job. Like that would never can't happen. Go, can't go to Cabo. Can't go to Cabo yeah, because but. you, yeah. So, so absolutely cultural experiences, travel, you but, go, but though. be, but be, cool <laughs> but be be grateful. I think not many people will have that type of luxury. So be grateful that you have it. Um, but explore, explore things beyond your comfort zone. Um, think about your dreams, goals, and visions. I don't, I think that goes back to the journaling and the reflection and all of these things and having an opportunity to think about your personal growth, um, the dreams that you have, the goals that you have, the vision you have, whether those are short-term, long-term goals, um, write those down and journal them and, and spend some time reflecting on them. Are you meeting those goals are you getting towards those goals right so quick take from the counselors i'd like this is the common thing that comes up for my counseling uh my son or daughter doesn't have a dreamer goal or a student says i don't have a dreamer goal your advice every goal starts somewhere name, you it, can, name it something else do you, they have a target that mm. sounds ridiculous to me you don't have a single goal in life. Like you don't even want to get an A in your class. The Asian dad is coming out of you. I thought you were saying my target. This is ridiculous. I thought you said me. I'm ridiculous without calling it a target. I'm like, just call it something else. A target. That is ridiculous. I was like, Richard. Oh my god. So I just, I just think it makes sense for. I can understand, you know, the parents' hesitancy in believing that this kid literally has no goals. It starts small, I'm sure, but there, and I think that's kind of what you have to dig and find because there has to be something that you're aiming towards mm. also when parents are identifying students and saying he has no goals he has no that's goals ridiculous and say, saying that over <laughs> that's and over again too right by the parents sometimes yeah i, I mean i, I think i kind of tend to agree with richard that i didn't mean to interrupt but no, i'm just no, saying no, like I, sure. I believe they have it deep down it's yeah, just about something. exploring and searching it properly mm-hmm. yeah and parents and i say oh he's not gonna become yeah. a lawyer yeah yeah doctor, and and know? that and that makes them feel right away oh i guess i have no goals right not, like when you redefine that eyes kind of thing yeah <laughs> i'm gonna be judgmental here i think when a student comes to me and says i don't have a goal i look at the parents mm. <laughs> jesus i could just see that as a parent i just a parent. i know i, <laughs> I so think excited. i think you'll your your perspective i want to see what his kid turns bit. out to be like oh, perfect <laughs> student oh no 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 no. let's not let's not do my because i think we were talking about everything that culminates to this point of having a vision and a dream as a student which is time to reflect reading Mm -hmm. right talking to your son or daughter Mm -hmm. uh, crayon starting with that Mm -hmm. uh relationship building i think that all builds into creating their world Mm -hmm. and in their world what they want to do yeah as a protagonist in it and if that, if they come to me at the end result saying, I don't have a world, I don't have a goal, frankly, I look at the parents. Is that, is that I rude of me? I think that's fair. No, that's, uh, uh, yeah, I think it's fair. Yeah. I mean, cause like you can't come. So by the time, I'm assuming this is like in high school, right? right? You can't just make it up in a matter of like, this is takes years of 
what you're trying to dispense here are years of habits. Right. That don't just change on a dime, you know, like all of a sudden, like now I'm going to be a 10th grader and an 11th grader and I'm going to have goals mm-hmm. and I have dreams. You know, these things come with some work. Mm-hmm. And that I think looking at the parents is a good thing. But parenting with also the understanding that parenting is not an easy job. Oh, and it's super hard. You don't you're sure. not in their shoes. You know, they probably had to yeah. dual income. Both had to work. You know, there's, there's circumstances that. Absolutely. And, and so like there's got to be respect for that. All that kind of stuff. Right. Right. And taking it into context. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I guess I'm. There's no, no manual for being a parent. Of Put course, there's no manual. Yeah, there's got to be some empathy towards the parents right. too. Like if, you know, that's why they're here, trying to talk with you, trying to figure out what should I be doing too, to, yeah. to try to figure out parents. You know, how can I help my kid guidance. formulate his own yeah. goal? Mm. It's challenging. Okay, that, but that's why we have these things. And okay, Jay Podcast. dispensing his pearls of wisdom. Podcast onto the world. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, seen a lot. So the last thing I wanted to talk about um, on this list, of course, there's a lot of things that that I feel like this list can go on and on. But the last one I wanted to talk about was social media. Um, social media is so existent, right? Like I, I think there's cyberbullying now it becomes a really big deal. Um, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I mean, Snapchat. You name it. There's something for it, right? Um, and so for those of you who have not heard about the huge situation about a Parkland, um, shooting survivor, uh, Kyle Kashuv. 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 From Stoneman Douglas um, High School. Yes. And, uh, mm. he just got rescinded from Harvard, um, because he was, you know, caught on, um, I guess it wasn't really social media, but he was, he basically said derogatory terms, um, you know, when he was 16 and, and Harvard, like that, right? yeah. And Harvard found out about it and ultimately rescinded his acceptance. Um, and so we're not going to get into that part of it, but I, I wanted to, uh, bring to light the importance of social media and what you should be aware of on social media. Social media is so much a part of our world now, right? Um, you follow up and you, you, you know how much people like you or appreciate you by the number of likes you get. Um, you know, things are quantified by, by the hearts that you see. Right. Um, and so social media is so prevalent in, in the world that we live in, especially for our teenagers these days. And so I think that we need to be mindful of that. Um, social media isn't the real world, but you know, it, it might be the world in which you live in right now. Um, so we just wanted to provide a little bit of advice on what you should be mindful of. Do you guys have thoughts on social media? What do you want students and parents to know about social media? My first motto about using the internet, everything that goes on the internet will stay on the internet. Mm-hmm. Your generation, our generation, the internet generation, mm-hmm. we have this issue that we have to deal with. It's called permanence. Right. I think back in the 1950s and earlier, even your history wasn't that accurate. It didn't follow you to the T of what you wrote. Mm -hmm. But nowadays it does. So my initial thought for parents is to encourage their students to realize what you put on the Internet will forever be on the Internet. It doesn't matter if the app says it'll save and delete itself after 10 seconds. Uh, you always want to assume (laughs) the worst. It's sitting on some server. Right. To Mm -hmm. be unearthed. Absolutely. Later. So be I, careful. <laughs> I mean, I, that's good. I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna say social media because of that permanence. Uh, so people have perspectives or windows into your life and your thoughts, mm-hmm. really your thoughts, yeah. that they've never really had before. Mm. And so, you know, if you're journal on paper, yeah. not on Facebook, exactly. It's or what, it's what Richard was Instagram, talking about, right? Because so, so it's impulsive, kind, right? And have some kind of maturity, yeah. which is what colleges look for. Yeah. So when you're a younger teenager in your 20s you know know that you're you're vying for college acceptance you're vying for a job mm-hmm. and that level of maturity is going to be looked at and mm-hmm. so if they see something that's that puts that at risk you know just know that that could be called out and you could be at risk of losing that acceptance or that um, job offer now if you're if you're a retiree or you've already lived a life and you can give to whatever's about anything you know that, that again you've earned that right by living a life full of whatever and you yeah. can you can do things so there's no again there's no manual for this thing but just have a level of uh, maturity about it i think mm-hmm. with that permanence yeah i just i i think there's a lot of benefits that the social media generation has brought um, it, you know, we're, we're more connected than ever. I think a lot of that connection though, it may be a little bit superficial. Yeah. And I think that there are some very real detriments to a person's psyche based on what, what social media yeah, has brought. And yeah. I feel like 
for that reason, I would highly recommend that students try limiting the amount of social media that they that they use um, on a daily basis. Um, and Richard, you're doing you're doing. I mean, you're. I've tried it, yeah. To, yeah. With, with you know more with the more I've been reading, I feel like a lot of the energy that I feel because it's just instinct now. When you whenever you see your phone, just like oh, let's go on Facebook, let's yeah, go on Snapchat. Yeah, like a lot habit. of that. I I guess the thing one of the things I learned from that video was um, channel that energy to to reading. Mm. So whenever you feel the instinct to like oh check Facebook, mm. you go straight to a your book. Kindle uh-huh. and on your phone, and you just read a page, and you just kind of go from there. And I feel like that has you know been very beneficial for me. I, I try to limit checking just all social media to to maybe once or or twice a day. Um, and I, I think, again, I would highly recommend that students consider doing something similar. I'm yeah. curious, counselors, do you still meet any students that are completely unplugged from social media? Yeah. Rare. You don't have a account. I have students like that. I, I yes. don't, don't think use I have any. At all. Yes, but rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe one out of 100 students. I would say it's rare, too, but yeah. I have students and, like and that. And do you think that that's a meaning that's, so that's obviously atypical because not the, mm-hmm. the norm, right? But is, does that also um, negative? Are you calling me atypical and potentially? Are you negative? unplugged, really? No, you're not. He I don't doesn't have, have Instagram have, no. or Facebook. Yeah, he's, he he's off. He's off the, off the grid for the most part. You used to be my Facebook. I mean, friend. he. I don't. I have, mean, he's on. He's on like Reddit or YouTube. You know. Yeah, but I don't have a Facebook or an Instagram or a Snapchat. Yeah. I've haven't haven't had it since end of college, I guess. Mm. And you think that's that's something that's beneficial for you? I think from a high school perspective, a lot of like. Uh, after school projects, um, homework assignments you have to work in groups are done through Facebook. Right. But otherwise, I think you could do without it. Um, I hope that there are plenty of other examples and students that still manage to get into great schools without a social media connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. We can have a whole topic on social media yeah. one day. Yeah. Um, all right. So I hope this was helpful for all of you who wanted to kind of think about what other things you should consider beyond just the college application. And I feel like if you think about these things, your college application and everything else will come very naturally. Um, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on your podcast app or on your new web- on our new website, um, www.thehallpasspodcast.com. I'll also link that YouTube video that Richard was talking about um, just so that you guys can go watch that video if you want to. Um, if you missed any of our episodes, you can also find it on iTunes or our website. Website. We want to thank our admission. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors, the Admission Masters, again uh, for any of our high school students or parents who need guidance um, and want help and things like this. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, thank you again for tuning in on our final episode of this season. We have been so thrilled to bring you new content and special guests this season. We are excited to tell you that we will be starting our season five before we get into the busy season this year. So stay tuned. Uh, again, we would love for you to sp- send us an email or or um, general topics or questions that you might want us to cover in our podcast at thehallpasspodcast at gmail.com. All right, until next time, we'll see you guys soon. Bye. 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 Bye.